Today's chat is brought to you by Loot Crate. Save 10% on any new subscription at www.trylootcrate.com FFC. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 108 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 10th, 2017, over on twitch.tv slash Chat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for another evening back in the tower. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. Looking forward to tonight's chat. Yes. Look... Look at this glorious Titan I've got on. Yeah, you and she dances too. You, She's you have, dancing. You have you have the wrong colors, but I mean, no, we, we're not going to get no. into that, right? We are wearing <laughs> the new monarchy. Yeah, because our faction's going to win. And also back in the, you just heard him, we have with us the grizzly bearded lore master himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? Other than <laughs> exasperated. Rumbly, like always. And, and you know, sitting here going FWC got third last time and that's how it all works. Anyway, um, no, I'm I'm doing great. It's been a, a tiring week, but that's not nothing new. I may as well just put that on my normal feelings list. Um. But no, it's uh, it's good to be here this evening. I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to tonight's chat because there's a lot of stuff that I don't personally know about the Titans. And granted, everybody knows I hate them anyway, so that's that's partially <laughs> on my bias side. But I am definitely looking forward to the orders because they are they're such a a key and integral idea when it comes down to Titans, and I mm-hmm. I, I like them. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. The orders are. I remember back when we first did a chat on Titans in Destiny 1, the orders were a really big, were a really big uh, part of the topic simply because, and I think we're going to, we might get into, I think we're going to get into a couple of them for the lost lore section, but because exactly that, because they were kind of lost lore, like they, unless you really dug into some of the, the information from the Grimoire, the orders were really easy to overlook. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So... But, well, and and it's really before I get too far into it, but it's really easy to just not realize that there there are that many orders. Like right, well, and, and then like you don't you don't just have orders. You also had no. uh, hosts, uh, which are yeah. like a subsect of them of orders, and then you know your you know, obviously you had your fire teams, but and you know it just it's the way that the the Titan hierarchy is set up is much more mm-hmm. regimented than which kind of goes in, you know, goes in line with a lot of what a lot of people kind of assume about Titans. Yep. But yes, uh Green is Green is kicking me over here. So we're we're obviously looking forward to diving into this discussion. So let's run through a few quick notes and then we're going to get right into it. Our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at Titans. Before we jump into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to run through. In our last chat, we discussed The Collapse. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. 
If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. Podcasts focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny 1, and the network's newest edition, The Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We actually do also have some non-Destiny-focused podcasts, including Paragon Radio, which is a podcast that focuses on news and events in Epic Games MOBA, Paragon, and their community, and The Enthusiast's Life, which is a podcast discussing a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on an introduction to the exotic weapons that we have in Destiny 2. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say. As a titan, you lead the charge. You are the first into the fray. The body is made from tiny stuff from near nothings. From atoms swimming through a blood of crackling sparks. Simple eternal laws shape the universe. The largest galaxy is ruled by principles of mass and motion. Electrons are slaves to charge and to chance. And this is why the universe feels inexhaustible, eternal. The light allows us to master the charge and chance. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about Titans, however, let's look at this week's Lost Lore. All right, Green, you want to walk us through what what we're looking at for Lost Lore? Well, I think we were going to talk about the first pillars a little bit. So this is kind of a throwback to D1, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. And the first pillars were only really mentioned in the Morveau Type O armor set. That is correct, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's also like the mark and everything, but that's still a part of the the original set essentially but there's a few different ones there's i don't know what aspect of it on i mean we have a few different names that we've not seen before like Imona swell or swall right and those are all from i mean to be to be fair most of the first pillars information are from uh destiny one like green mm-hmm. is saying all those names are actually in those armor sets so we've we've had them since destiny one but a lot of excuse me a lot of uh a lot of people haven't um 
realized it. And the thing about the first pillars is is that it and we were kind of talking about this before the the show started. Um, the first pillars is actually kind of a tragic order. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a, a lot uh, of a lot of the different groupings are tragic considering true. all that we've gone through. Yeah, the hosts like a couple of the hosts are. Um, I know Yagi's host is interestingly. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in just a second. We'll just, get into them. Yeah, because <laughs> there's there's a there's a weird there's a weird twist on Yagi's story that I want to I do want to touch on, but um. But yeah, going back to the first pillars, the first pillars were were uh, it seems, and this is this is a lot of our information on the first pillars is kind of assumed, it's kind of inferred. Um, the first pillars were basically the kind of a a heroic order of titans who were. We don't know if they were in the current. Well, I guess we should also back up. I mean, this is another thing we were talking. The reason I'm kind of taking a step back again is because we were talking about this also before show so i'm kind of trying to touch base the the important thing to know is that titans measure the passing of time a little bit differently than i guess everyone else uh which which isn't a, a huge huge thing but one of the things that they do is they measure it in what's called what they call ages right um and the way that they measure the ages is basically by massive conflict uh wars Mm -hmm. um previous to destiny 2 we were in what is called the eight the 12th age at the beginning of destiny 2 that marked the end of the 12th age and the beginning of the 13th age which is the whole red war the red war takes place as the 13th age of the titans pretty much is the kind of the implied note here first pillars seem to predate possibly even the 12th age um we actually do have records of other um other orders from prior to the uh the age or the 12th age so that's not something new um but yeah so first pillars were a very heroic thing and the common thread between all of the records here and yeah great i'm gonna let you take over in just a second the Mm -hmm. the common theme is that they are gone. Like they've all, as guardians, they've all experienced what's what's normally called the second death. So, Green, yeah, I know you wanted to. Well, I wanted to kind of comment on him because the structure of these flavor texts, I guess, of the flavor texts within this armor set, feels very much so like what we got with the Iron Lords armor set right at the beginning of when we first started learning about iron lords it's very similar because you have a named character in each of the pieces except for the mark and kind of like hey this is their last stand and you get every little last stand like where they got it so and not all of them are it looks like titans necessarily because gun gunver gunver the dawn collar like is that a is a dawn color an order? I I kind of think that it was actually more that was a, a kind of a title that she was given because the uh, ward of dawn you call the dawn, right? Because let's see, Gunvar the dawn color gave her last full measure at the ocean of storms, the last stands of the first pillars, 
Edmonda Swale gave her last full measure in the Cosmodrome. Kay Ying gave his last full measure at the Twilight Gap. Luke Romange. Yeah. Romanga. Yeah, that's yeah, the Romange. one that's the one that a lot of people if if they recognize names for some reason Luke Luke Roman is a name that a lot of people are kind of like they perk up at for some reason. I don't know. And he gave his last full measure in the European Dead Zone, which probably that's the reason why it does perk up because it is a unique name, a unique right, right. location in D1 because we never we didn't know much about the European Dead Zone except for this and like maybe two other things in the grimoire originally. Yeah, that I would just and... say it's more I would just say it's more because the name is Luke. Yeah. We don't hear of a lot of like simple names like that within the the lore. It's just like Luke, where did this come from? That's true. That's uh, also true. that and also like well going back to the comment about we didn't hear about the EDZ a lot. The EDZ, mm -hmm. I think, was only mentioned on this one, really, and then was it the binary Star Cult? Yes, so. I know it's in like one or two other places, yeah. but it, it is rarely talked about. Yes, and it is funny how, um, to, as a, a, a very very slight side note, they they do kind of keep that up with uh, the beginning of Destiny Two. How they they actually say anybody that walks in here like died. I, I like mm -hmm. how they kept that going. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, they uh, they do reference it in in very 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 few places, uh, and most of the names too kind of follow. And it, you just pointed it out here in chat blue. Uh, most of the names kind of follow a very similar uh, style. Besides them, uh, we've got uh, Kay Ying, uh, which was like uh, Wei Ying in a way, uh, and that. Just the way that they kind of attribute the names and build the names is interesting. Mm. Uh, and it's, I, I don't necessarily want to say that it's it's by order or any of the names otherwise, but it feels like there's there's some measure of, of connection with the names that they have. Uh, I'm not explaining myself very well, but that's the best I can kind of do. Yeah, it just, it, to me, you know, again, Green, yeah, you, you said that it's kind of that generic Far Eastern sound to it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll just be honest, Kate, when you said Kay Ying, I was like, the f first thing that came to mind was Wei Ning, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which I just, yeah, it was just an interesting thing. But, um, chat, chat to Rhino is saying in chat that the pillars seem to forge the path and allow us to reclaim some of those areas. And, and, you know, that's, that's true. And you actually do get, so for as little information as we get, um, I'm going to actually stand corrected this actually does point to them being present within the twelfth age, because mm -hmm. Kay Ying uh, was at Twilight Gap. So I, I mm -hmm. was, I was incorrect speak, speaking a little bit earlier there. Um, but yeah, it, 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 um, I don't know. Like this, this just seems like one of those those orders that definitely was kind of a, and you know, the name First Pillars, right? You, that kind of gives this idea that they were one of the first orders um i know when we first talked about titans back on episode 15 uh, i remember talking about the orders that we kind of touched on at that point was uh was the first pillar obviously firebreak chain gatewatch and a uh, agama and then potentially the sun the sun legion um but i know that we did definitely talk about the first pillars a little bit then as well beard it it almost feels like if we're we're comparing it to anything today, uh, it's something like the Marines. 
Uh, they're mm-hmm. the, the first in to fight, basically, something of that kind of notion. Uh, but at that point, they would be the ones that are that are like a commonplace, larger larger name in a way. Uh, and they have the the first rights, if you will, as well, towards a lot of battle. Yes, we have those other those other forces that are like up on the wall and everything. But I think the the comparison here is that they would be the first one that's like into the uh, the front of it. I know uh, Green might have something to add on that too. Uh... Well, the only thing that I wanted to comment on is that each of the cards mentions somebody from, it seems like almost a different age mm-hmm. because oh, we have, okay. okay, so we have a loss within each of the ages, not necessarily the only loss, but a notable one. So you have the Oceans of Storm, mm-hmm. the Cosmodrome, the Twilight Gap Battle. European Dead Zone. No, I don't necessarily think it's from each different age, but it kind of throws that feeling right away. But yeah, because just... uh, Twilight. I was just gonna say Twilight and Oceans were. I'm I when I when I read Ocean of St- sorry, <clears throat> when I read Ocean of Storms, I I connect to Mare Imbrium, which is mm-hmm. obviously a different location, but that great disaster. <laughs> Like that, that entire event. We know that it was kind of taking place all over the moon from uh, right. Ghost. Yes. What was it? Ghost fragment. Warlock two. I think is that the Ariana torture one. Mm. Is it Warlock two or Warlock three? I can't remember which one, but it's one of the Ghost fragment Warlocks. Uh, it's it's Ariana's card, uh, which is an amazing card. But um, we know mm. that she was not at Mar- Mare Imbrium, but she was on the moon when Waning you know spoiler waning got killed um (laughs) spoiler alert there uh but um so but what i what i was going to say there is that we know that the entire pretty much a lot of the moon's surface was involved in some capacity to that great disaster even though the main battle seems to taking place on mare embryo so when you say someone gave their last full measure at the ocean of storms that's kind of where i was kind of connecting it and um, that's to tie back into the the idea that Ocean of Storms would have existed in the same quote unquote age uh, as Twilight Gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, try- <clears throat> I'm trying to think if we have any. In- I keep think I keep thinking of Visigoths, but that's for Yagi. I I'm, I I keep coming back to Yagi's host in my head. I'll just be completely honest with everyone. Um, so I don't know why. I, I have no idea why, but um, yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's pretty much all I have on first pillars. Do we want to? Do you want? Do we want to jump into? Some of the the known titans. I know that was kind of a big part of the the chat. Do you guys have anything left on the first pillars? No, because we don't have much else on. Them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the 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 pro and con of of lore exploration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, we go. You think we go to jump to the the known the known figures and just kind of a quick update on each of them. Right. I think so at this point. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna queue up Randy real quick so that we make sure we get all the notes ready. Lorebot two point zero activated. 
Query received. Interfacing with expanded database directory. Response received. Displaying on screen for review. Alright, real quick, I just saw a question being thrown up in chat and I wanted to uh, actually kind of touch on it real fast. Uh, Destiny, Destiny Tings, I like like that, makes me want to yell ting ting. Um, did a new age start at the beginning of the Taken War? That's a really good question, actually. Um, yes. I, I can see arguments for both sides. I, I don't think it did, but I can see how... It could have. Beard, do you have any? I mean, or green beard, which whichever one. I would kind of argue no, only because it feels like the actual, the the actual fight or section or war, or whatever, seemed like it was a very, uh, a very concentrated kind of idea, and it didn't necessarily impact the city too much. A lot of what we know uh, in terms of, like, heavy battles impacted the city to a heavy degree. Uh, this was more of, like, a an external idea when it comes down to, to anything with Oryx. A uh, and him strike. Being out at, it, sort of, to that notion. Yeah, like, we... It, it impacted the reef more than it did the city. Meanwhile, we have stuff like Six Fronts or Twilight Gap or some of the others, uh, just to name a couple... And and even as far as Marimbrium or any of the stuff up on the moon that really impacted the city, this one did not. It could have turned into something terrible, but we stopped it fast enough. So I would argue to say probably not, but that's an excellent question. If they're going to label it based off of major battles with lots and lots of troops or lots of hosts, there was no host sent to battle orcs. It was us True. Yeah. and yeah. the Awoken and the Awoken sacrifice themselves and they're not technically guardians. Mm -hmm. There are Awoken guardians, but the Awoken that went and fought them are not. So I would actually say definitely not an age, but that's, that also gets into the kind of the theory of like, when do you title an age? Mm -hmm, you think right. about how you, when you name an age, you don't name like, the classical age of music or anything like that, or the Baroque age, that's not named during the time that you're living it. You It's all went, afterward, exactly. Most of the time, a long time afterward. Right. So. But meanwhile, with something like Tyra Karn around and how she is ending up uh, kind of annaling our, uh, our logs and history and whatnot, it, it's definitely up for debate on like how she's recording it. And then if that's the case, if the Titans end up recording it something differently, which we're not necessarily too sure of either, mm -hmm. that throws another monkey, uh, a, a whole different wrench in a whole system. So right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can definitely see both ways to that. That's a. Whew. Yeah, because I mean, and, and we know that the Titans and to kind of go off that, we know that Titans kind of slightly record things differently because mm -hmm. and they have really heavy books, apparently. Poor, poor, yes. poor postmaster. Rocks, tomes, um, books for the Titan. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just I saw I saw that question pop up in chat, and I just wanted to take a, a quick second to because that that's a really good question. Um, Very good question. But okay, so to kind of touch on known titans, um, I kind of I think the best way to divide these are in-game figures and then. 
notable figures from uh i don't even know really what like external lore it's not external lore but it's not in game like spoken um right but then there's like no noteworthy individual and i i we kind of divided these all up on the mind map um and so like there's noteworthy and then there's kind of like a tertiary kind of mentions uh so in game figures in destiny 2 we have commander zavala obviously deputy commander sloan lord shax uh lord saladin forge and then actually i i Oros is not in-game Destiny 2, technically, but she was in-game Destiny 1, so I feel that she does remain in that categorization. Um, But those are really... She deserves more of a mention than some of the others. Yeah, 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 because she actually was, and and especially with the upcoming upcoming DLC, we need to talk about Oros and Rip the the Sunbreakers. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, so so let's let's just start from the top, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. and and obviously obviously there are a lot more titans. Um, these are just major figures. So before I get yelled at on on social media for forgetting a certain titan or any titans, um, Saint fourteen. Um, Saint fourteen's not in game. Not in game. No, he's Saint not. 14, he's not. Saint fourteen is a noteworthy individual. I have him. I have him. I will. Okay. I will talk about him. I know. Um, I'm just. I'm just yelling. Yeah. It out no. Oh you, yeah. Oh. Okay. 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 You're preparing me. I got it. I got yes. it. Yes. All right. Yes. So let's let's uh let's kind of take this. I guess alphabetically is the best way. So Commander Zavala, right? If you're in stream, you can see me. I'm watching him watch the city. He's kind of he's kind of a creepy stalker figure right at the mouth. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's alive. Uh. He is still. Let's see. He's he's uh still unawoken. He's as far as I can tell, Steel Mel, he's he's still bald. He's uh, still the Titan Vanguard mentor, and I think, as far as I can tell, still the the Vanguard commander. Which, by the way, is a separate distinction between a mentor and a commander. Um, so his primary subclass, and I, I I tried to note all this on the mind map for anyone who wants to go back and look at this. Uh, his primary subclass as a Vanguard mentor would actually kind of be none he has he has kind of access to all of them he does seem more of a defender but he Mm -hmm. also i mean as a mentor again he has to instruct new guardians and if you pay like any attention to some of the the especially in the destiny one subclass quests he's the one that is walking you through the use of all the powers um so he kind of kind of knows what he's talking about on all the subclasses um that's really i mean he he has a very interesting story as far as destiny 2 goes which we've kind of i don't i think we've kind of beaten that horse well, and for people who are just joining us we he is the only one that we've been able to watch their risen their first rising oh that's that's true good good that's call very true. that's true that is that's a very good call yeah um Though we do know from Grimoire and Destiny One, Holborn actually mentions his rising, but we don't we don't see it cinematically like we do with Zavala. As and Wayneing mentions hers in the Striker subclass mission. No, oh, does mm-hmm. she? Okay. Yeah, she talks awesome. about it in that. 
So cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a excellent, excellent point. Um, beer, do you have anything on Zavala from a 50,000 uh, point view? Yeah, I was going to say, um, he, he still quotes, uh, Sun Tzu all the nice. time and I Speak still of, like that quite yeah, a bit. It's, it's never going to get old, obviously. It really isn't. Like if I continue to hear more and more quotes from that book, I'm going to be more and more happy. Like, <laughs> yeah. please, oh, for oh, I do, God, I do have... like educate people. Yeah, With I this do. Shakespearean actor. Does, okay. Yes. So my a very important question, does he still knit? I hope uh, so. There's, there's no statement of it, but I will say now that the dawning is coming. Yes! Mm. Oh! <laughs> I just realized. Do you think we'll see Eva return? I with think the that's going to be her return. I, I would I be so excited. Because that was her mm. big. That was one of her. That was her big thing, wasn't it? In, the, any of the festivals. And, well, actually, yeah. Yep, she, was kind of, she was kind of like all the festivals, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And Ikora just looked at her like, well, that's great and all. But that's right. Yeah, that's right. That? Yeah. <laughs> that was festival. Tradition. Yes. Um, well, and then I see I see chat kind of talking or was talking about Sloan. Do we want to jump to Sloan real quick? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, because there's a lot to talk about with her, actually. Yes, mm-hmm. there there is. Um, real quick, I'm going to just run through another little high-level introduction uh, before I, I kind of hand this over to Beard and Green. Um, Sloan is the deputy commander, obviously. Uh, she is a female human, a titan. Uh, we don't really know her primary subclass i or at least i wasn't i i don't recall it um not privy. yes we we it is unknown at this time um her main location is going to be on siren's watch everyone kind of playing d2 kind of is aware of this this is she is the vendor figure on titan uh which is which is kind of on the nose a titan on titan um she her yeah yeah her her primary occupation is the deputy commander of the vanguard so she is kind of in charge of that aspect of it she also does seem kind of responsible for the um allocation of resources let's say uh she kind of has a bit of a bit of a pool on where those things go and then one of the one of the miscellaneous trivia points that i i really like pointing out for people uh, is Sloan was actually active and present during... So there's two. There's actually two things. She was actually active and present during the City Age. She actually is one of the concept arts that we saw. She is actually the Titan. If you look at the construction of the wall, there's shacks on the on the right side of the picture. She's actually the Titan that's giving shacks the... She, she's assisting shacks with building the wall. Um, she also was in Destiny 1. She was in Destiny 1 at the very tail end, uh, and she was when it was when she was giving a field report to Zavala uh, uh, concerning the post-Rise of Iron events. So Sloan has been mentioned. It was actually, it was just a name at that point. We just knew that it was Sloan. Uh, and so then when we, Destiny 2 started up, we got a confirmation on gender, on race, on, you know, we definitely got some more information on her on that. And with that being said, I'm going to actually turn it over to Beard and Green because I know, like Beard said, there's there's a bit to unpack with her. After especially, you. <laughs> especially with, uh, you know, what, what it seems like she's in uh, allocation of. Uh, a couple of the things that I eat that definitely seem to kind of be pointed out with the the story and some of the adventures that you end up seeing with Sloane 
she seems like she has more of a tie back with uh, Amanda to one point or another. And I know it's been argued uh, left and right if she's like the leader of the the uh, field commanders or if she's the leader of like field engineers and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's nothing that, again, points that out either. But she's constantly looking into uh, different ways to kind of manage the the Titan arc, uh, arcology. Uh, she is constantly looking into different ways and trying to dig up different files and like how to to make this play, uh, place work and survive, and how she can basically like utilize the systems that haven't necessarily been swallowed up by this this possibly heavily failed terraforming that is Titan at this point after centuries. Um, the biggest thing though, that I love about Sloan is how much she constantly looks into backlogs of information and how it seems like she's our little tip for saying that a lot of the stuff on say Dredge and Yor and other, uh, other key figures from Grimoire has actually been almost lifted because she's the one that uh, you hear on Titan asking for these different files. So she's now digging into the past of what we had previous, even before the city ended up launching and finding these little, these little tips, these little things that happened before that now have another tie back to what we need to be concerned with again today. Uh, and that's just the tip of the iceberg really when it comes to, to like Sloan is like an overall, but I think her her character is a possibility with how like stern but friendly she can be also has a lot of possibilities for building within the universe, uh, especially just for like her possible knowledge, because she doesn't feel like a typical Titan to me at all, or at least what what people would think of as like a typical Titan. Yeah, I mean, I would even say on top of that, if you think of her as, as the deputy commander, if you think about how military structure works, the deputy commander is actually in charge of a lot of different things that frees up the mental capacities for the commander himself. So they, they're in charge of ensuring safety or the personnel and equipment, and they're, in, they're, they're kept informed of all the accomplishments, problems, and degrees of compliance with regulations and other directives through personal observations, inspection, reports, and staff meetings. She's literally doing all of the grunt work so Zavala can do a lot of the strategy-based stuff. And that's mm -hmm. purely what a regular, like, a deputy commander would do in real world, among other things. That's just a very, very minor, minor note of some of the jobs that they do. There's a full description online. You can find it. I just did. <laughs> Look at this big, long list. It's really big and long. Mm-hmm. All right, and then uh, do you guys do you guys have anything else that you want to touch on with Sloan before we jump to uh, let's see who we got? Shax, I think, is next. Shax is indeed next. I think that's a pretty good introduction. I know we're probably going to learn a bit more about her and have a lot more interactions with her. Definitely, I don't think I don't think her time in the sun is like even close to done. Mm -mm. I think they're only going to do more and more and more with her because she she feels kind of left alone at this point. But I kind of think that any of the uh, 
uh, a, vendors. kind of like a branched out thing. Yeah, I think any of the vendors are realistically going to be used in more of a way than what they have in the past. Well, yeah, I mean, we've never had vendors on different planets necessarily. No. There are liaison. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, let's that'll do... be a big thing. Yeah, let's get Shax. Shanks. Mr. Broken Horn himself. Oh, man. So many fun quotes about the Broken Horn. Um, so there, there actually are. And I think those were from D1. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he explains like he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would tell you, but you can't handle it. And then uh, one mm -hmm. of the alternate dialogues for him after you beat Oryx was he actually says, OK, I'm going to tell you how I lost this but it doesn't hold up to killing a god or so, it's something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So so apparently he does tell our guardian, he just doesn't tell the player. So, you know, well, take that. We, take that of, we know what happens between the Battle of Six Fronts and modern time. True, yeah, yep. Uh, and, you know, what happened between Six Fronts and modern time? Twilight Gap. Um, there, was, there was a couple things. But... Real quick, a basic intro to Shax is uh, he is still alive, as most people probably realize. Anyone who's ever played any Crucible will know this. He will yell at you quite happily. Um, he is obviously a he. We do not know his race uh, we, because we've never seen Shax as kind of like Saladin was way, way, way back when. He hasn't taken his helmet off that we can see. Um Obviously, it's because he likes his helmet, he does like his helmet. Um, obviously, he's a titan. We don't know the primary subclass, though. I pre if I was put in a corner, I'd probably guess striker. Um, mm -hmm. his location is obviously still in the last city, which is on Earth, and his primary occupation currently is the crucible handler. Um, though, if you ever go and hang out in his little corner. You can tell that he has he is a bit of a hunter himself, not not the oh class. My. But he, he has yeah. a, a few trophies that he has brought from the from his old war room. Cabal One of, heads. Yeah, Cabal the Cabal helmets, the the uh the Gate Lord head, um you know the dragon the, the, the Ahamkara, yeah, the Ahamkara skulls, which Anyone who knows anything about Ahamkara bones makes you kind of wonder what's going on with that. Um, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, then then there was like the Whispering Stone from Destiny One that he was communicating with something. But anyways, before I go down that particular spin foil, let's stay at the fifty thousand <laughs> foot level. Um, you guys have anything that you want to throw in with Shax as far as updates for Destiny Two specifically? Because we did. We did a full episode on Shax. Actually, we've done a full episode on Zavala and Shax. Uh, episode 59 was Zavala, and episode 60 was Shax. So we, we have done a full episode on both of these figures. Um, but do you guys have any updates on Destiny 2 that I'm just, I'm sure I'm missing something? You could just point out the, the cutthroatness that he has and the fact that he wants us to go into the Crucible before any other guardian gets their light back and decimate everybody. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> biggest, one of my biggest, like, I'm like, okay, okay, guys, hang on. <laughs> Wait, we haven't finished the campaign. I like, and I understand that from a game mechanics point of view, but oh, yeah. still from a, from a storyline, I was kind of like, 
I'm the only one who has light. Why am I doing that? I feel like a murderer. That's, be- <laughs> that's because I am. They, yeah. they actually have something where they uh, they tell warlocks to stop killing each other until they're sure that they're, that they're <laughs> stable again. <laughs> I, yes. I loved that little line. Yes! <laughs> Look, guys, we know that you like being the fan of Tanat. But seriously, <laughs> yeah. seriously, could you stop blowing holes in your heads for God's sake, <laughs> just for a second? If you if you have a reason, if you want to know why, go watch Flatliners. It, it'll explain everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So yeah, Shax, um, Shax is Shax is awesome. Uh, he's he's uh, yes. yeah, Shax. The cool thing about Shax is just kind of to touch on kind of a, a little bit of a hidden aspect of Shax that a lot of people don't know. Shax is actually very, very um, tactical in his aggression. Yes. Uh, and this is basically you can see this in his in, in from Destiny 1 with the entire incident with Burning Lake. Um, Shax actually tried to prevent the guardian van or the vanguard or the consensus basically from sending the guardian host to moon um Mm -hmm. he he basically he saw there was a there was a battle at a location called burning lake um and the guardians won but barely and basically this is where the city was pretty much first introduced to the swords of the hive uh, which you know, from for veterans of Destiny One, he was uh, the the sword is a very important aspect of the Hive culture, but the swords for the knights were were especially important for a number of reasons, and one of which is that they were kind of almost supernatural. Um, and Shax recognized that we didn't understand them, uh, and Shax mm-hmm. is actually a a master bladesman. Uh, if if you guys, if anyone from Destiny 1 remembers the reason that we have exotic swords is because of Shax. Shax actually Give me hands. my razor later back. Yep. Give me yeah. it back. <laughs> yeah. He no, he's got it. He's got it protected. He he took it from your vault and mm-hmm. and took young wolf. What a jerk. Um, what a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um but he is actually the one who forged the exotic swords. Uh so Shax is Shax is a very rounded out character that I don't think the the three dimensional the or the three dimensions of him are are as pronounced as I honestly would like. I would really like to hear more from Shax as far as like the tactics and stuff like that. But that's I, I just remember that. Oh yes, and if you can dodge a gun, you can dodge a ball. Right? Isn't that how it <laughs> well, goes? You're you were annihilated, so <laughs> you were annihilated. So yes. did we win in a way? No. <laughs> No, <laughs> but I do. I do want to call to that, like for for a whole of thirty seconds, all the same. Because on the surface, as like a, a newer player, I've I've asked a, a couple people uh, what they've thought of Shaq, so like just getting into the game, and they've all said he seems like very transparent. He just seems like that guy that like sits and yells at you. And then I was like, well, read these two cards that they made at the end of the game. <laughs> he shows. Uh, incredible respect to, yeah. as, as Blue says here, civilians, to kids, uh, as to, uh, you know, to, to just about anybody else. And he basically says, <laughs> the only people that have to call me Lord 
our yeah. guardians. That's yep. the only one that I demand end up saying it. So the Lord aspect of him, the the way that he ends up carrying himself, he's not he he's caring in a way, but he's to the point that he's like, I want you to get this done, but I want you to be safe about it. So please come home safe. OK, we, we have to have coffee and tea and it'll be just fine. He's the disapproving father that everybody wants. <laughs> yes, I love that statement in chat. I love that pen. <laughs> uh, I think I thought I mean, yeah, and I think that that actually is from the dodgeball cards. Uh one of the big things for Shax is that it shows that he is he is um honorable because he lost the bet to Cade. And yes. anyone anyone who knows Cade knows that the likelihood of that being an honest victory is slim. Slim, lucky like pants. anybody, <laughs> yeah, lucky, lucky fans. Yeah. Lucky fans. <laughs> um, it's it's like you know, but and I'm and you know, it's one of those things where you you know, Shaq's probably knows this, and mm-hmm. but he still he he honors the bet that he lost, and he goes to the city and he teaches these these two kids how to play dodgeball crucible style, which is just amazing. But mm-hmm. I I do love that it shows that he has because I think isn't it like one of the civilians like says thank you or something like that or like they or he mentions that they say thanks and he's like you don't basically it's you don't the civilians don't owe us thanks like this is right. this is what we are um it kind of is right. kind of his mentality and I just I love that presentation of him being like no 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 I am I'm here to serve you not not the other way around which also it it again just really proves that he's not that transparent like well that showcases that that and to me it also shows that he is um because that was the attitude of the warlords right and we know that Shax was a kind of around that period Mm -hmm. of time so i mean to me that kind of it makes a lot of sense that he would be very vehement about no you are not you know you're not under me because that's what they were fighting against especially since mm-hmm. saladin was and speaking of saladin we'll we'll get to him right now actually but saladin was shax's mentor you know and mm-hmm. saladin was one of the original iron lords who were very very strongly opposed to the warlords um but but speaking of lord saladin forge let's uh let's look at him real quick uh, Saladin is still around. He's still a human. He still doesn't have a helmet, which is great stuff. Uh, he Man, is actually, memory. He, yeah. Oh my gosh. I knew you were going <laughs> to, I know I am. I set aside time for beard salt on this one. Uh, did you? I said, yes, I actually did. I was like, I was like, I think I made a comment or no, I didn't make a comment. Did I make a comment in notes? No, I didn't. But I was, I actually was going to make a comment like not too much salt beard. Um, but, uh, so he, he was, so just real quick, a real rough history of Saladin. Uh, he is the Iron Banner representative. He still is the Iron Banner representative. Uh, he has taken that title back from Ephrodite for the Destiny 2 game. Uh, he is located mostly on the last city. He comes and goes just like he did in Destiny 1. Um, and he was actually just a little bit of a trivia fact. He actually held the title of Vanguard commander for a very short period of time after Osiris left. So it was kind of during the twilight gap era, uh, which is where a lot of people kind of assume the fallout with Shax and, uh, him kind of occurred. 
but uh, he he has since stepped down, so he actually actively chose to retire from the Vanguard commander position. Um, and as we learned with Rise of Iron, he spends most of his time actually patrolling plague lands and the uh, and probably at this point keeping up with the Iron Temple. Um, though we don't know if the Iron Temple's still around. Uh, Technically. Well, we don't know if like the Legion hit it or anything like that is what I was right. But um, yeah, he he was in the Rise of Iron. We learned that one of his one of his favorite pastimes is long walks on the, along the lines of the Plague Land, which is not romantic at all. Well, um, it's all in the eye of the beholder. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I guess I guess if you're your if you're yeah, I guess if you're remembering Yolder's smile. Aww. sad times. I mean, uh, I mean, if the only way you can smile is with a flaming axe, then sure. Can I make one small, min- minute correction to something you said a little bit ago? No. Um. Yes. Okay. The Saladin, you you kind of hinted at it, but for anybody who's not familiar with D one lore, wouldn't necessarily know this. But Saladin actually, for a little while during D1, was not the Iron Banner mentor. Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, it was just for a short period of time, and that's when Ephrodite took over for about, what, six months, eight months? I don't yeah, even know how long yeah. it took. It was not terribly long. And then now he is, again, our mentor, which is kind of nice, but I miss Ephrodite. Yeah, and yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. I have I have a theory on that whole thing too, but mm-hmm. it's more for Ephrodite than Saladin. Um, right. I was gonna say I have half a million theories on. on yeah, Ephrodite, I mean, like so I think anywhere. I think the most com- the most logical for me, the Occam Razor explanation is the Red Legion came barreling into the system, and Ephrodite mm-hmm. is from a pacifist colony. Like, right? She probably went to check on her her new family. You know, I and it's not the first time that we've seen Ephrodite run away, and I, I say that not not in a negative way because it's not really. But she did the same thing with uh, the Iron Lords. The Iron Lords. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've I've come up with a couple things on that one to to quickly touch base. Just the idea that maybe something happened with the the holdouts that she's with. Mm-hmm. And now she may end up like flipping sides and being like, "Oh no, I'm just going to go storm down the cabal now." Yeah, uh, yeah, that that's, would be completely that's... counter to the the like development of the character. But this is something else like I kind of had on that one anyway. Well, so... and we know that effort. Well, and just kind of touching on that though, it wouldn't be though because from the Lady Yolder card, we know that Effort kind of gets up in arms, little man. She gets Efforty a little. Has a... She has a bit of an anger issue. Ephrodite has an anger issue like I do. Like, I'm one of those people that Green's going to throw someone like a javelin. I, you know, (laughs) you saw me in mod chat today. That's true. When I break, I will break, and I will break somebody. But (laughs) That's when we we have the gif of me going back into the the Homer Simpson. (laughs) The the Homer Simpson's like, "Mm, I'm just going to kind of quietly make fun of this and then walk away. And hot. Yes. I will nope, nope, nope. I will be your best friend and your defender for as long as I can, but if you finally get to the point where you break me, I am not going to be nice to you for a while. Well. Anyway, moving on, let's go to the one that I'm actually most curious about. Okay. Yeah, I saw your question on this one. So let's jump to Oros. 
Oros, real quick, uh, just some basic information on Oros is she is, and Green, I'm, I'm going to come back to this, Oros is deceased. Uh, she is obviously a female. We do not know what race Oros is. We do know that she was a Titan. Uh, given what Oros does, the it's a pretty safe assumption that her primary subclass is, <gasps> don't hold your breath, Sunbreaker. Sunbreaker! Um <laughs> I know that's a very big shocker for a lot of people, but oh uh, my god! Oh my god! Okay, Uh, can we? I know. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say the occupation shocker. Well, okay, okay, shocker. But if you didn't play D one, you would not know that. You wouldn't even know who Oros is. True. And her occupation, what Green is kind of referring to, is that in D one, she was introduced as the third Imperial Magistrate of the Sunbreaker. In Destiny 2, she is now labeled as the third and final Imperial Magistrate of the Sunbreaker. Um, We do see that we have an updated information from Sloan in Destiny 2 that indicates that the Sunbreakers have been destroyed by the Red Legion. Uh, Basically, this is believed to have been during the time that the Guardians were lightless. Because we can't resurrect without light, guys. It's it's kind of a kind of a necessary component of that piece. Um, there were hints also of the Sunbreakers having issues with Vex uh, at the Forge during Destiny One, but apparently they were okay with that. Uh, but the Cabal is their Forge is now currently in the the control of Centurions of the Red Legion, according to Sloane. Um, And that is why I kind of go back to the idea that Oros is deceased uh, because, well, as far as we know, I guess I could update it to MIA. Yeah, because it's there's not a confirmation that she's gone, like dead gone, but like I'll I'll update that. The way that hollow fire heart reads, however, it does kind of give this very final wording to it. And granted, when you start talking the Sunbreakers, though, and not to get into an Osiris tangent, but they do have some kind of time relation with Osiris, whether they decide to go ahead and actually be able to, like, travel through or do much of anything with it. But for me, the way that Hollow Fire reads, it does feel very final. So I can definitely back up the idea that I think they've exited that character or or exited the group almost because we're meant to be the new Sunbreakers in a way. Right. And just bring that back into the city. I think that's our that's our carryover and our our carryover in a way from how Destiny's uh, one's third subclasses are are meant to kind of carry. But that's Mm -hmm. a whole different thing. Right. Um, And just just I've also. Beard, I yeah, just sure. real quick while you're while you're saying talking about Hollowfire, I'm going to read that just real quick to kind of give people an idea yeah. of what you're talking about. Um, it's uh, it's basically it opens with a report from Sloan that just says Commander, as best we can tell, they're all gone. Somehow the Legion found their outpost, and the hunters say Centurions still hold the ruins. This was the last text transmission we got before the signal died. So this is actually not even an audio file like what we had in Destiny One. This is a, te- a text. This is an email. Um, yeah. And it's, it says, the fire burned within us, not by choice, not because we sought the flame, but because there was no other way. When you stood before the forge, there was no doubt, no fear, not even anger. My order stood for generations. We held against the shadow, bearing a weapon that seared flesh and melted bone. And now we stand at the end. May history remember the forge, remember the hammer, remember the sunbreakers. 
and it signed Oros third and final Imperial Magistrate of the Sunbreaker. So, I mean, I that's that's kind of where the idea that, that I mean, I'm, I kind of agree with Beard. I, like that kind of seems like a it a does la- seem a last final. will last will and testament, yeah. if you would. I mean, there's that 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 ten percent that I would say that you and I I would still agree with Green with that one. It is not a full confirmation, but it is a heavy allusion to the idea that they went out fighting, as was just said by Akalupo in chat. They went out fighting. They they pushed as hard as they could to defend uh, the forge, which is basically their their new home, their new source of light, their new way of basically being able to like tangibly do anything and that was important for them and they wanted to go out fighting and defending that spot like it was the last city uh and very clearly though we do see that yes the the they were okay with the vex like in that area within the forge but there are four or five different places within destiny 2 now that actually do say that on mars the vex are being pushed back pretty heavily because of the red legion assault so that being said, the Vex are actually being uh, pushed back. They're they're having trouble fighting the Cabal. Uh, this new session of Cabal is that nasty. So for for them to actually uh, push back this group of Titans, which have uh, basically uh, quite possibly held up for centuries out there on Mercury, is impressive to say the least. Uh, and my my only other thought on the forge as well is what kind of connection it might have had with the uh, with the Almighty and what kind of source mm-hmm. of light or power uh, that would have actually granted it as well because that was a as we know that was a very big source of light uh, to actually right. grant us a new like third uh, based ability for the Titan to utilize solar connect it without like actually throwing ourselves probably into the sun, which probably still wouldn't have been a good idea. Uh, though I bet we would have tried that. I bet somebody would have anyway. Uh, yeah, probably with a <laughs> controller. Yeah. Uh, but I still, I still think that that's a, a very important piece is to remember at least that the forge is still there at this point. We don't necessarily know in what condition, uh, but that might play a big role for us later down the line, even if the the Sunbreaker Order is, for possibly all intents and purposes, gone. All right. And then did we want to, were there any um, of the noteworthy individuals that we wanted to particularly touch on that were update, that, that had that had relevant updates in Destiny 2? I think the only other one I would say that has some update is we there's been me- more mentions about Saint 14 in relation mm-hmm. to Osiris in mm-hmm. particular in D2 but he, he's still very very much so an idea more than actually a character yes. that we're we're expected to possibly see or anything like that which you never know we might see him with the Osiris update and I think that would be awesome, but I'm well, not necessarily expecting that. And going along with the Osiris update, we might hear from Kabir, so keep your eyes open for him. Yeah. But 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 we won't because it won't be Kabir. But we won't because yeah. it won't be Kabir. That's fair. <laughs> we might see the Aegis again. How's yeah, that? Yeah, All yeah. right. <laughs> we could see we could see a figure that looks like Kabir, but but yes. remember remember for those who who. Might think of trusting this individual. It's not Kabir. Mm-mm. 
Mm-mm, don't uh, do it. The only other big one then too is Waning. Uh, right. Several new items have actually introduced her in a different way, and we hear more of this idea that Waning and Ariana were definitely most likely a big thing. Yeah, I am so Which happy that totally... they finally confirmed. Yes, that. Like, yeah, I gotta say too. there was. There was so much like lauding around the idea, beating around the bush, but mm-hmm. now nah, it's one hundred percent confirmed. Yeah, I was uh, going through the list here a little bit more. I, I would say still keep your eyes open for like Holborn and Jaggy. Otherwise, oh, Jaggy, going to make a little Jaggy. bit of a return. Yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to talk about them in just a second too. But going back to Wei Ning real quick, a really kind of cool. Um, so, so I can't remember. I cannot remember who made this comment, but I saw this the other day that like all these old guard guardians and beard it might have been you uh, all these old guard like pahanin uh kabir uh um thalor waning um all these individuals they were all actually they they actually knew each other like we kind of got this presentation of them as being kind of like these these individuals who didn't really talk to anyone and you know didn't really interact with each other like no one would know who Toland was or Osiris was, and but no, it actually they they actually were. A cool trivia fact about Wei Ning was Wei Ning was actually introduced to Ariana by Pahanin in a bar. Yep. So so Pahanin is the one who introduced Wei Ning to Ariana three, and uh, in a in in the Tower Saloon, uh, according to the I can't I, I can't remember the specific uh, item that I I'm, I pulled that from, um, but yeah, so like Pahanin was actually it's Ariana's the, vengeance. Is that the I vengeance? Believe. Is that the vengeance? The ship? Yeah, I think so. And then the other really fun um, tidbit with Waning is that she <laughs> she was so renowned for her argument about the practicality of just punching things. That she mm-hmm. is referenced in this this very very interesting ratio that's called the Pajari way or Pajari way <laughs> ratio, which is which is, this this is the throwback to Destiny One, but it literally is the the comparison of the time that warlocks spend planning as compared to the time that the Titans Titans punch Titans spend winning. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes, that and. Waning has some of the best quotes about about yeah. the darkness as well. Um, and you can also find her on the the fighting lion. Uh, yep, that's, that's her grenade launcher and a couple other things too, which I find so she, really cool she, that they bring her up again. Well, yeah, and and it also kind of again points to this idea that titans are not just simplistic figures. No. She, I mean, she made even, the fighting even, lion like that was her even, creation. Yeah. Even like arguably the the most simplistic of the titans, if you will, the ones that the one that basically just focused on, well, if if you can't punch as hard as I can, then you may as well go home. Uh, right. That was like her her entire credo. But there's still so much more behind her as a person and a character that she was willing to like sit down and talk with this warlock named Ariana and have something form between them. And they could both get each other. The and thing? I'm not. Necessarily, and she like, bought. That, she bought repeatedly. A... Bought rounds for the entire saloon. Apparently, that of was her yes. thing. Yes, but like she, she was. She was fun. She was. Uh, she. She was obviously a a very uh, a large person of character, uh, honor, and decency. And in, I, I wish that she could come back in some way. 
the thing that, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in, in chat is the philosophy of a Titan versus a lot of the other classes. The Titans are the, what I would consider like a very incredibly practical without improvisation, improvisation. Whereas hunters are like practical with a lot of improvisation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and warlocks are the, I consider now this is going to get me in a lot of trouble. Warlocks are the people who are the planners, but but while they're planning, everybody else does all the things already in their own way. And so by the time they're done, they may have thought of the best way to do it, but it's already finished. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Though I think some this... Titans get labeled in there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They're just the ones who want to. They're the wizards in the tower wanting to analyze the things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the and that's kind of the again the warrior scholars mm-hmm. that they have. But I mean, the thing the thing that I and I, I agree the stereotypical segregation there is hunters are extremely extremely pragmatic um, in their approach. Titans are very practical in their approach, and yes. then warlock warlocks are. <sighs> They're they're kind what? of they they're they're a weird combination of like theor- theoretical, um, but it's not to say that they're not pragmatic or practical. They just gravitate they're, more towards. They're the more they're methodical. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's perfect. So warlocks are the methodical, <laughs> titans are practical, and I, I would argue that hunters are just the pragmatic like. Well, if you do this, it's going to work. Like, you know, they just that hunters tend to seem to be the ones that are more like if you if you just do this, you know, you're going to get this result. They, mm-hmm. They're they more in, you know, getting the getting the immediate result um, with and then worrying about the consequences later. Uh, right. But yes. Do we want to real quick take a break? And then jump. I, I know I wanted to talk about the host and the orders just a little bit more. And then I also know we needed to talk about the subclasses. You guys subclasses. okay with that? Mm-hmm. Creepy but story before time. We, before we do that, I just need to get the, the obvious thing out of the way. So, yes, Ariana's Vengeance literally does cover a hunter, a titan, and a warlock walk into a bar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we all see how that happened, how that resulted. The warlock and the uh, titan. The warlock uh, and titan went home together, and the hunter is worried about squids. No, he had no problem with it because he had super good advice. Yeah, but he did. His super good yet, advice. Yet his super point, good though. advice was to get the titan and the warlock together. Yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> Just, obviously. You you know the other funny thing is is that that same hunter also walked into the vault of glass with a warlock and a titan. And that did not. Yeah, end very we see well. how that. <laughs> that no, did not. No. So, do one flaw at a time. One maybe, piece maybe of the maybe shielding. the maybe the success of maybe the success of Wayne or Wayneing and Ariana was what encouraged him to go out and say, "Hey, Praedith, Kabir, you want to go do some teamwork?" Because obviously, <laughs> obviously, this core, this this chemistry is is a very good chemistry. That was a terrible mistake, Pancake. Uh-huh. I don't know what you were thinking. Oh, don't don't he, blame it on Pancake. He should have. Uh, he he probably should have just grabbed uh, two squids and gone into the vault. With <laughs> he would have. He would have been happy with it. <laughs> Stuck yeah, him on really. the ceiling and called could it have good. Been like, 
could have been like, I've got I've got my friend Cal and Mari over here. They're gonna <laughs> rip up this place. Well done, sir. Well done. Oh man. Well, real quick, let me just I'm gonna take a, a quick little break and talk about the sponsor for this episode. Um and so basically as part of the Focus Fire chat community, you might notice that we do have an obsession with pretty much all types of geek gear. Uh, we have an entire channel dedicated to it, and it's it's a pretty pretty bragworthy place. Um, so the F- the FFC team would actually like to offer you a chance to experience that kind of rush of getting the goodie package yourself by offering you ten percent off any new subscription to Loot Crate. Uh, all you have to do is visit www.trylootcrate.com/ffc and enter the promo code Bridge Ten, and you get ten percent savings off a new subscription. Uh, the cool thing about this is that the theme, and so there's there's a lot of different options for Loot Crate. If you go to their website, you'll see all these. But the two big ones is for the regular crate is going to be Unite 2.0, and the featured franchises are going to be Overwatch, Power Rangers, and DC. And I know this is a big one for a lot of people in the FFC community, Voltron. Voltron's actually included in November. Then they also have a gaming crate, which is basically dedicated to video games and that ilk of entertainment aspects and this one this november is going to be the theme of tank and that that actually includes bioshock call of duty world war ii wolfenstein 2 and gears of war so again if you guys if you guys are interested at all in that i got the uh the uh, october one was demon and i posted a picture of what was included in that crate uh just a few days ago uh really really good good content i'm really impressed with it as always but again, uh, it's www.trylootcrate.com slash FFC, and be sure to put the promo code BRIDGE10, uh, and that'll give you 10% savings on any new subscriptions. Here's a question for you real quick. Yes. I know you mentioned the two primary ones, but don't they have other types of boxes too? Yes, they have a whole host. So so they just, so Loot Crate has actually started doing exclusive crates. Uh, they're called legendary crates, um, which pins i know pins and i think libby and i think rhino actually are all they all get the halo one so there, there's a there's an ongoing so there's different types of legendaries there's one-offs and then there's like ongoing series just like their normal crates and those are obviously they're they're more um they're more expensive but they include a lot more uh, the Halo Legendary Crate is, uh, it's got like a really high quality, like really high quality content. Uh, you got like water bottles. The one, the one crate from the Halo Legendary Crate that I got, they had a water bottle, uh, a mini figure of the Hunter, a t-shirt, a poster, you know, uh, they're always coming with, uh, actual extra lore items within the the particular crate that you get so they have a they have a halo they have a firefly um i think they have a wwe one now like it's it's like they have a host of oh stranger things they just announced that they're doing a stranger things crate uh for stranger things 2 but then on top of that, the normal crates that they have, they also have like anime, they have uh, pets, they have one for pets. So if you, if you, you know, you're a big pet person and you're still wanting nerd, nerd memorabilia, I, wanna, I guess, I, or I don't know. I, like. I want a costume for my dog that yes. makes my dog look like a fallen, like one of the vandals oh, crawling around. That would be amazing. The the, the uh, uh, marauders. Marauders, yeah. 
Oh gosh, that would be so funny. But yeah, so like they, I mean, just go to their, it's, I mean, it's lootcrate.com uh, for just the general site, but yeah, they, they have like anime, they have pets, they have um, uh, what's called loot wear now, which is like clothing Ooh. stuff. So like socks, uh, they have a lot of scarves and stuff like that. It's like they've, they've, they have exploded. I remember when there was just one crate. Right. <laughs> oh, and I long, had the original back. loot crate. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I still like the original loot crate, but like, yeah. And then you get also like every month you get a pin, like a little, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for pins and not like writing pins, like the, the, the oh, push, uh, pins. push pins. pins. Yes. Yeah. Um, they've gotten their, the quality of their pins has, has, uh, Oh Yeah. They went from being, they went from being the ones with like the paper and the plastic Mm -hmm, that went over the mm -hmm. paper ones to actually being these nice metal casted pens. Mm -hmm. Especially on the, on the higher end crates, like the legendary crates, you get like very heavy duty pens. Like the, I have a noble team insignia pen from it and it's like, it's seriously one of my favorite ones. Uh, the destiny, the destiny pen that I got, uh, was a strange coin it's a strange coin pen it's one of my favorite nice. so yeah amazing amazing but real quick um to jump back onto topic uh we love our tangents but to jump back on topic i really wanted to talk really quickly about orders of titans and that also includes hosts um so we we spent a little bit of time on the lost lore talking about the first pillars uh, there, there are a few other orders of titans that we actually get mentions of in Destiny Two, and we kind of get an update on. And one of them is actually my f- one of my favorites is the Firebreak, and I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit because the Firebreak order was one of the orders who were dedicated to actually kind of not being the defensive figure that the titans normally were seen as. They're actually dedicated to being. Um, to taking the fight away from the from away from home they wanted to defend the city by making basically going on the offensive and and pushing the enemies back uh we find out that in destiny 2 as part of the city displacement a lot of these orders kind of have uh, been required to relocate some things or they're just gone now and the firebreak is one of the ones that to their shame were were basically replay or re-displaced we figure this out by the individual who goes by the name of Callisto Yin, uh, who is basically one of the few surviving Firebreak members and who is actually the bearer of an item called the Fire Victorious. And the Fire Victorious is a part of, I'm trying to remember, the Fire Eternal, which is a, a piece of the Firebreak Order's, basically their, their sigil. Um, right. And so Callisto as part of the city kind of falling, she actually was the Titan who managed to get a, get a hold of the fire victorious and carry it safely out of the city. So this is kind of the picture of, um, I, I just, I get the picture of Aeneas from, you know, carrying his father and his son, you know, like that whole type of thing. Um, that's kind of the picture I get of her just like carrying this, this very important aspect of this order. Um, the firebreak, the firebreak, were renowned for their propensity to headbutt people. Um, people who might recognize that particular tactic from another famous titan, also, you know, 
Saint fourteen was was made. One of his famous moves was to headbutt somebody. Uh, so the fire break fire break were were a very aggressive order of titans. Um, we also have the Stoneborn. Uh, the Stoneborn were arguably one of the older orders, and who were arguably the kind of the. I almost connect them in my head to Silimar, uh, to be honest, because mm. of the way because they are they are kind of attributed to the construction of the wall, and right. so and Silmar is kind of that was his thing was construction of architecture. He was the architect. Uh, he was the Titan who was the architect of the Iron Temple. And he was obsessed with building walls that wouldn't fall. You know, it was kind of his thing. So I always kind of attribute them. But the Stoneborn are, I want to say, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure the Stoneborn are gone. Is that is that right? Yeah. What I had looked up before we really got going here, yes, uh, between the the Stoneborn, arguably the, the Sunbreakers, uh, the mm. First Pillars, uh, and a couple others that we haven't it's... touched based on just yet. Yes, it does seem like that they're they're gone. Even their philosophy seems like it's like dead, buried. Well, it's like just to be on just a, a sweeping general. Oh man, that word is going to escape me tonight. Um, just to be very general, generalized. There we go. That's the word I was searching for. Generality, maybe too. Yeah, that one too. With the <laughs> with the Red War, can we say that? Most of the organized groups, whether it be the Titan Orders or the Warlock, I can't remember what they called in the Warlock. Ah, wow, brains! The, the Hunter Cast, the different, the different groupings in the different oh, classes, yeah. like the Praxic and Thanatos. Right. Hunters and don't right. really, okay. hunters don't really have them. They kind no. well, they well, they had they had they have packs. A, yeah, like kind of, kind right. of I was going to say you got like six coyotes and everything at the least stuff like that. Yeah, right. But with that, can we? Is there any evidence that those older groupings like that are still around? Is there that's any what, groups left? That's what I've been like thinking about as I was going over those um, the these orders. Like before we really got going, I was like. The majority of what we started, like, I, I, we started to, like, look into and, look, like, what's written, it seems like it's been wiped out. Like, the, the large majority of the orders feel like they're, like, wiped out. Right. Well, granted, I mean, the, I think we know there's different groups left, like, not necessarily, right. like, the, the orders, yeah. but... They've been, they've been reshuffled. Right. Which is a kind of we I think we talked about that last time, too, is that that entire reorganization of priorities... I think that mm-hmm. was a large percent, a large part of it, and I, I really think that the Titans. I mean, we we're talking about peacekeepers, right? Remember the peacekeepers, um, yeah. which they are not an order necessarily, but they kind of are. They, they're, they're like they're weird. They're a clan, to be honest. Let's just be honest. Well, That's kind of what they were. Think of it like a like a. If we're going to bring up something like the Warlocks, think of it like the Praxic Order, in a way. That's also founded on a philosophy as well as the ideas that are there. Meanwhile, it seems like a large majority of the the Titan orders that exist are more with a a certain designation of like-minded people that want to go to the same end. And granted, I'm not going to say that that's much different than something like Praxic, but Praxic was was a is a study, 
it's a it's a buildup of of ideas around like warlock tradition whereas if you look at something like the the firebreak titans their main idea is to get out of the city and go beat stuff up and their whole aspect is more of like a a collective a collective build if you will or something close to that uh yeah, I might not be explaining myself so well, but yeah, and I think I mean I would I would almost argue though that they're the same, uh, but that that goes back to practical versus pragmatic, and you know, or mm-hmm. practical versus methodical, um, because and I and admittedly the praxic are kind of a difficult example to use for warlocks because the praxic yeah. in and of themselves as a warlock order are kind of a standalone. Uh, which is why like Saint 14 appreciates the Praxic order and Wei Ning kind of appreciates the like that that is an order that aligns very closely to the Titan mentality in the warlock grouping. Uh but then you have you have orders of uh warlocks such as the Thanatonauts, right? They're they're definitely more secretive, I guess. I, they're not really secret. They're not secretive, but they they're so focused on gleaning information from the events that they don't really pay attention to the cost of the events. You know, we were kind of joking mm-hmm. about the warlock stop stop killing yourselves until we know the yes. light is actually back. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's that's definitely a thanatonautic approach. Is like, oh my gosh, we got the light back. Let's go. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I can yeah. see that. That's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, whereas like the Titans are, the Titans are very practical in the sense of like, and we, we also talked about this, you know, last episode with St. 14's theory on the darkness, you know, an invading Mm -hmm. armada. Like it's a very physical, very, um, I keep saying this word, very practical approach to the problem at hand. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's kind of their, their mindset. You have. You have uh, the chain, you have Agama, you have, you know, the Sun Legion. Sun Legion isn't a great example because Sun Legion was kind of responsible for... The, it's an entire order that's dedicated to building armor. Like, uh-huh. that's what they do. They build armor and they supply it to new Titans. That's it. Um, you, you know, your Stoneborn, which is kind of... It kind of was... The Stoneborn was kind of presented as, like, not only the construction of the wall, but they were kind of the engineer core, almost, it felt like. They were kind of the responsible ones for you know, upkeep. Um, you have uh, the chain, which is you know all about defense and holding the line. You uh, your Agama, which we don't really know much about Agama other than supposedly they were still present at the Battle of Six Fronts. Um, mm-hmm. And then Firebreak. I mean, in Firebreak, the reason why I love Firebreak is because of the old orders. It was one of the ones that they had just so many kind of little cool connections. Uh, Firebreak was actually the order that actually went out uh, beyond the wall and actually created a literal firebreak. Uh, and I talked about this quite a bit with the the major battles episode way, way back when. But they actually made a five-mile firebreak around the city to protect the city. And that that was kind of their entire thing was they took they took on threats outside of the walls to protect the walls. Um, right. And so, like... And yeah, dancing, dancing in chat is like it's a disciplined approach. It's it's that military, the military approach to the practical. How do we get this done? Approach, and you see this, you see this not just in orders. And I'm going to kind of use this as a segue. You see this not in orders, but also in hosts. 
uh, you have the two the two main ones that most in the lore community will recognize are Yagi's host or Joggy's host, I, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, and Holborn's host. Um, Yagi's host, we don't know the full back up. We don't know how big hmm? these organizations are, right? Mm-hmm. We we don't know how large they are. We know that they are fairly a fairly decent size. We also kind of have a nod that the host might not be 100% Titans. We see that, especially with Holborn. Um, Now, we don't know if that means that he is just working in conjuncture. And the reason I say this is Holborn's host was also known for working with Lyssa, who was Lyssa the the Lighthearted, I want to say, who was believed to be a warlock, if I remember. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so... We, there's there's kind of a there's a looser affiliation with hosts than there is with orders. Orders are definitely Titan orders are exactly that Titan orders. It's kind of like a warlock order or a warlock school of thought. The Thanatonauts are all warlocks. Like if you if you study Thanatonautics and you're not a warlock, you're not really a you're not considered a upper uppercase T Thanatonaut because a Thanatonaut is a warlock who is studying Thanatonautics. You can study Thanatonautics. But you're not going to be part of the Thanatonautic school of thought. You can, you could be a geek of comic books, but right. to actually understand right. them, right? Yeah, oh, it's gosh. it's. I mean, no, I mean, like it kind of feels like splitting hairs on that one, but it it is an important distinction. It's one of my biggest yeah. pet peeves is the the exo who shoots himself in the head. He's not a Thanatonaut. He's not a Thanatonaut because he specifically calls out that he's not a Thanatonaut. He says that he's looking at it like a Thanatonaut, um, but pet peeve aside um but what i mean there is like so holborn's host holborn's host we know quite actually quite a bit about holborn's host were um were actually sent to mars arguably to look for charlemagne um but we don't have that (laughs) we don't have that spelled out it's but they were sent to mars to search for computers is what we are told um Mm -hmm. charlemagne um but and and we see this in Holborn. And on and here's a question for you, Beard. Is Holborn's first name T-Bon? Uh, no, because to me it kind of reads that it's. Was there uh, were there three people in that conversation, different. or were there two? Because I was reading, I was reading, and I'm like, how many people are here? <laughs> like, I'm yeah, so confused. I've, I've always read it as three. Like, okay, it seems I, like there's a pass back, like the the way that one of them talks is different from the other, different from the other. So it okay, does feel like okay. there's three. I kinda, but... That's how I read it at first, and then I was reading it last night. This is this is a Ghost uh, ghost Fragment Titan card. Is just, it's just, it, it shows Holborn's personality perfectly. Yeah. But um, it's a conversation between at least two people, and it's like, and then they throw names, they start throwing names around. And it's like, okay, who's 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 who? Who's like, who? Who, what's going on? <laughs> um, so I was like, I was like, maybe his first name, which just cracks me up because then it would be T Bon Holborn. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why that name just makes me giggle, but um, it does. <laughs> it does. It, does. it well, doesn't flow very well yeah. at all. But it's just. Was, but um, so Holborn's host is actually located on Mars, and we know that they're still pretty active, actually, up to. Uh, the Taken King, because they are the reason that we know a yes. lot about the Cabal. Uh, they they actually discovered the firebase del or firebase on Phobos um, and gave a lot of information to Zavala in conjunction. They actually worked alongside Shax and uh, the Red Jacks, 
And yeah, yeah uh, Green, Tubak. Tubak is Holborn's second in command, who is described as, quote, uh, one of the finest titans in the city. Tubak, mm-hmm. Tubak seems like a, a stand-up guy who doesn't put up with Holborn's back-in-my-day speeches, which is just tu- Tubak? What about Tubak? What? Tubak Shakir? Moment. Never, never mind me. No, no, we're done with you. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> But actually, actually, Tubak, bringing up Tubak, that is a good segue into Yagi's host. Um, mm-hmm. And this is this is what I was kind of kind of finding interesting for Yagi's host is that Yagi's host is often kind of assumed that they're gone, that a lot of people kind of read that they're dead and gone because of the mark of the lost seven. However, if you read if you read the Ghost Fragment Titan you kind of have to like read between the lines on this one, but like Holborn is telling is talking like just kind of out of his butt. It, it almost seems. And he's like, yeah, you know, cause they basically ghost fragment Titan is they find a ghost just kind of wandering. And it almost is like a Siva ghost. Uh, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of theories about if it was, um, dredge and yours ghost, or if it's a, a 404 ghost, you know, whatever. But, so Holborn is talking, and he this ghost is just wandering aimlessly around, and he's like, "Oh, that's like when uh, Yagi's host ghost, you know, came back from the Caspian Sea, and no one could figure out what they were doing, and blah blah." And then Tubak actually mentions, he's like, "Yeah, that's that's right, but Yagi Yagi remembers it differently." So like he makes a comment about Yagi in the present, but then right before that comment he makes they they attribute that the mark of the or the lost seven happened in the far past so yagi is still around and i would argue that his host is probably still around too i didn't know if you guys i'm gonna say what i've kind of felt from that has been that yagi himself was around but that the the order that he might have had or the the host that he had didn't make it so much uh right. and I've, I've i now have my theories that i've i've kind of tied back those uh seven ghosts to but that uh that one in particular is definitely highly up for debate and i know there's there's quite a bit of a weird thing that happens with just that little story that yagi has uh mm-hmm. i could talk about those ghosts all day anyway yeah I'll, there's I'll a, there's a lot of there's a lot of tangents on oh. those ghosts totally and and i feel like that's that's basically what you know when when you start talking about yagi and uh even holborn it it is basically just about like tangential stuff they they lead off to all these other questions that start Mm. to exist uh but in particular of in particular of the way that like yagi's host is we don't know unfortunately much about them aside from the questionable point of is there still a host or isn't there and what is the actual status of them and are they active or not because to me i i again read that as it was yagi alone that made it through whatever it was that ended up uh really inflicting on those ghosts or whatever it happened because the, the whole idea that ghosts are returning without their guardians just to touch base on that quickly doesn't happen often but the the simple idea that they could effectively like return not have a guardian with them means something happened to those guardians possibly (coughs) siva (coughs) yeah yeah yeah. 
Right. And I guess I guess I read it a little bit differently because I, I read it as that was a scouting party for the host that Yagi was not part of. But mm-hmm. see, like the, the thing is, is like seven is just an odd number. Not for Bungie. Well, Bungie, Bungie, it not fits for Bungie, a lot. With exactly. Bungie. But like in the game, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, as far as Bungie goes, seven is all over. the place. But like in the game, we don't really hear of seven. Like no, as far as fire team fire size, because fire team it's is not six. Fire team, it's not raid size. Nothing. Like, right. It like fit. the only the only fire team sizes that we've really heard are three, six, and uh, nine from Sabathun's song, mm-hmm. which Green made me play the other night, and I have oh my gosh, my head hurts from all the spin foil. You but, don't regret um, it. You I don't, don't regret it. it. It just hurts. It just hurts. Like the the there's comments so that were there's so many comments that were made there's in that. And I was so like. Much. And my poor brother was running with us, and he's like, "I don't understand what you guys are talking about. What? Why are we not yeah. killing this person?" It's like, "No, no, no, no! Stop! <laughs> Stop! Not yet. We have to keep them alive. We must extrapolate all the information." It's mm-hmm. like, "Don't go past the checkpoint." I, I mean, just you know, wish I like... would get get it more often. Like I've only gotten that strike maybe twice in all the strikes. Pro- I wish you could I'm call him gonna... up like you used to be able to. Yeah, you said it. I, was, I feel like I'm going to start getting it less now, but I almost always get that one, and people get really ticked off at the fact that they always get that one, and I'm like, oh no, I will play through that one as many times as oh, they yeah. give it to me, yeah. because there's always something different that I hear. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. I always get Arms Dealer. I've ran that strike so uh, many times. There's mm-hmm. nothing in that one, like, at all. <laughs> there's like a couple little quips, and I'm just like, I don't care. Shut up, Kate. <laughs> What's the one? So what's... Ghost, ghost showing appreciation finally for what we do. Yeah. Which He's one's... like, why did you pick it up? Which one is Arms Dealer? That's the the. That's the one with the fallen that's invisible that you and you Ben oh, and I God, have run a lot. One. Yeah, boop. the boop one. Yeah, the boop one. Boop boop. That's the that one. That I'm... I turned off this is channel. The... How did you get back in here? I'm the best. <laughs> I've helped so many guardians today. It's like that's go uh, away, that's what is was that? that? Was that's that? Exodus Black, actually. The Arms right Arm Stealers the was the, the Thumos, right? Or not Thumos? Oh no, no, no! Uh, Arm Stealer is that one EDZ? Yeah, I thought. Ar- yeah, Arm Stealer is the EDZ one. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I have not finished okay. because I still have this stupid side quest for it. Yeah, oh. that one's that one's really that one's really grindy. But yeah, the the yeah, uh, Exodus Black one is just hilarious. But okay, so I talking talking need to about make missions. like four videos about them. Oh my god! Oh, anyway. Yes, but okay. So talking about missions, I know Green, you you have taken undertaken a, I don't know. Would you say that it's a large project of <laughs> recording everything? It's the recording part isn't bad. It's the editing part afterwards. Like I have a new appreciation for anybody who does YouTube videos. <laughs> Beard. Um, or I was gonna say, gee, this sounds familiar suddenly. Oh my god! Just like I have, I have a five terabyte external hard drive that I've been saving everything to, and I'm, I just, it's insane. The thing is like editing it and then transcribing it because. Ishtar Collective is still working through a lot of their stuff, so there's a lot of things mm. that they haven't gotten to transcribed yet, including some of the subclass missions, not all of them, and a lot of the adventures and the strikes. So, well, I, and especially with like alternative dialogue and everything, oh too, God, the it's, point. it's so insane. It's it's 
Yeah, it's not Ishtar's yeah. fault in any no, way, shape, or form. It, no. They're working hard, and they've done a great job. And quite frankly, I just keep checking in every couple of days to see if they have anything new on there, so I don't have to transcribe it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I transcribed the two subclass missions that are variable that we get, because I think everybody gets the same dialogue for the initial spark when we first get our powers back. But when we do like the striker mission or the sunbreaker mission, those are variable to obviously the specific subclass versus like blade or not the blade dancer, but gunslinger and night stalker or the other two warlock classes are, they're going to be very specific. And we get some really fun tidbits, I think, in the the Titan ones in particular, because a lot of the other ones that I've played so far have been throwbacks to D1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some yes. of the stuff we got with the Titans, yes, it's a throwback, but it's expanding upon some of the things that we already knew. Like we get, we get more about Wei Ning and we get more about the description i don't who reads the description of when Ephrodite throws saladin me it was so great drunken so drunken recollections are the best it's so good it's so good that's I why i just i just let that entire thing play when i was trying to reference it in my video i was just like i am not editing this down at all this needs to play with the stutters the stammers everything, <laughs> the way that it is yeah. this is beautiful this is why i was that's why i let uh savala do the introduction tonight it's just like i'm yeah. not i can't i can't read that as well as a shakespearean actor take it away so <laughs> i mean unless you're william shatner anyway uh uh uh-uh. no <laughs> i w- Shatner, if Shatner ever does a voice on Destiny, I will be done. He'll be the new ghost. No. <laughs> the door will never I mean, ever, ever look, open. Look at it. Look at the look at it this way, Green. At least he would have plenty of space to actually put his words because of the space that they would have with like the 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 robot clicking and everything, the the transcoding. <sighs> it would be perfect in that respect, no. you know. We would never get anything done because we'd wait for him to finish his stupid sentence. <laughs> I'm sorry. Subclass. Subclasses. Anyway, yeah. Subclasses. <laughs> what about <laughs> tangents? Apparently, apparently we found out one of Green's triggers. <laughs> I was going to say, what What about tangents in a, in a, in a, that's, that's Star Wars. I was going to say in a galaxy far, far away. Whoops. Right. I like Star Trek. I don't like Shatner. That's just me. Yeah. I'll say, but, Original series, but Picard or Kirk, definitely. Right. So we get a lot from Wei Ning in the subclass mission, especially in the Striker one. We get just her talking in general, which is awesome. And her descriptions of like punching things and why she's such a bleepity bleep bleep. Uh Mm Uh-huh. She's so good. Like, she's just really good. Yeah. And then there's a few okay so i know bife did a video and mylan did a video on like who's speaking in these mm-hmm. is there like actual confirmation and who's speaking in all of these besides waning and shacks and zavala because mm-hmm. there's one voice that i cannot recognize that i don't recognize Which i don't think there's one? i don't think there's confirmation on any of the speakers at least i know right. for the like the hunters like 
except for the ones that you can blatantly tell. Like I've, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit, I've only run hunter subclasses because you know, yay, full schedules. But um, I know, I know for hunter, like there, there is like other than Cade, and then, eh, like you don't really recognize anybody else, right? Like this, there's one section where it kind of sounds like you're being taught by Shax or Zavala or somebody, a Titan of some sort, where they're saying, I heard the roar before I, I see him, but when I look up, I can make out a blue burst against the skyline. When he falls, he brings the sky with him. He scatters me and my squad to the wind, leaves us dead. Hey, as a, that's a crucible as gross fragment. Right, it yep. is. And... He said, tell me what you learned, which I think that one, <laughs> that's, a, that was, that's obviously that's a Shax, Shax yeah. but I don't think Shax yeah. is reading it. I think it's somebody else. Well, that, I believe, was voiced uh, by a, and I could be wrong on this, a female, mm-hmm. uh, but I I don't know exactly who that would have ended up being. Oh, uh, Penza saying Sloan said Sloan. that one. It didn't would... sound like Sloan, but I, if it was like a... If it was meant to be like a younger voiced Sloan, I don't know, but the voice sounded off on Sloan. I didn't have that well, immediate thought, but the I voices would have to are, listen to it again. There's a little bit more reverb put into the voices because they're that memory sound rather than the immediate yeah. in your ear sound. So Which they doesn't are make it easy to off. figure. Right. And, and granted, I had that same problem with Shax too, because the first time I listened to it, it didn't necessarily sound like Shax either. So that's why I'm not going to like push off the thought that it... Uh, that it couldn't be Sloan in that respect. I would probably just have to listen to it again. I would probably, it, it would probably be in my best interest to slap it in Audacity and see if I could take the echo out of it and see if that would work. Mm, but it would probably make it sound more tinny. Probably. I will so I will tell you that it will thin it out. But as far as like the Sunbreaker one, it's mainly stuff that we got about Sunbreakers originally in D one. Although we do get the nice story about uh, the six front people, the yeah. six of them who actually refused to take the orders and they went against orders. And they were, there was one of us was a sunbreaker. They named Liu Feng, Liu Feng. Oh, that's where Liu Feng comes from. Okay. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. from the Liu sunbreakers. Also, and- also made the sunshot and. Sunshot. Mm-hmm. The Sun Bracers, as they are called now. Yes. Right. And they talked about how they died and died and died. And Lord Shax, or not not Lord Shax, Lord Saladin and Zavala actually kind of fell back. And these six decided they were going to stay out there. And when Zavala and Saladin saw that they were actually able to kind of hold their own, even though they fell over and over and over, they made a counterattack. So. We have examples of Zavala and uh, Saladin not making the necessarily the best decision right away, or utilizing their tools. I guess you could say. Uh, what else we have in here? The drunken Ephrodite speech. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's about it. The rest of it is stuff hmm. that we got from D one, but they're fun. They're fun to listen to. Well, it's nice to listen to to all of them again, realistically. I actually, mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to listen to the Hunter yet, so I'm actually in Blue's opposite Ooh. position because I haven't played my Hunter. 
Uh, the blue, uh, the, the the hunter one is really good. I like the night stalker the, one. Yeah. I, I have, I have. Art. It's creepy. Well, it's well, it's especially, be. especially if it's Tevis Larson, like I'm hoping it is. Uh, that would be fantastic. I want to talk to you after you watch it because I I'm, should I'm I actually interested. like just do that tonight? Is that what you're? Yeah, doing? I'm curious. Like I'm curious on your feedback on the choices that they made for the the night stalker mm-hmm. one. Um, okay. Because I honestly, I didn't, I didn't really agree with all of them. Um, mm-hmm. Some of, some of them, I, I kind of think I know where they're going with it. I, I think I get the lesson that they're trying to do, but I didn't, I, I, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's that's here neither neither here or there. Uh, so that was that the you said green on the Separate on the Titan right? ones the. Mm-hmm. The striker was the one with with the drunken Ephrodite. That was Sunbreaker. The head oh, that was Sunbreaker. Okay, okay. So mm-hmm. Sunbreaker was drunken Ephrodite, and then was Sunbreaker also the Twilight Gap one? The tw- yeah, there's a mention of Twilight Gap, and the where was it? Uh, yeah, it's in there because it talks about the fallen were everywhere, were everywhere. So it's about like the third. It's the third projection, I think. Okay. Is where it says that. And then, are when you said that the rest of them were from Destiny One, is that all of them, or was that just Sunbreaker? Really, all of them have ties into Destiny One into the lore. Like they're either direct quotes or they're modifications of the quotes. Mm. And there's not a whole lot beyond that, besides the fact that we're hearing specific people talk to us about it again, which I think is awesome. And it's a good introduction for people who may not have ever dive, dove into D1 lore and be like, hey, this is some of the cool stories that we know from Destiny 1 that we would like to talk about again at some point. At least hmm. I'm, I'm hoping they would like to talk again in some point because there's some really good legends and stuff. But yeah, most of them are actually from Grimoire cards from Destiny 1. Yeah, almost taken completely from or from uh, some quest dialogue that we had previously too, or which I, I think is text. Yeah, I'm gonna say there's a there's a lot of little extra nods they did. That's what that's what kills me about some of the stuff that they've done so far with the the lore because they have moments like those where it's just like this is beautiful. This is a wonderful little tie back to what they've done in that respect. Uh, and I I actually. Uh, like I was going to mention before, I actually had more fun with the uh, the Titan subclass ones than I had with the Warlock ones. Uh, and granted, I know that's a completely different topic altogether, but when it comes to the, the Warlock ones, it felt like they were very bland, where the uh, Titan ones actually had like, a lot of feeling behind them. Well, uh, but the... again, I think that kind of calls back to the way that Titans are versus Warlocks. Right, it's more the personality of the subclass, the typical personality. The Titans got a little bit more bravado, I guess, yeah. rather than your warlocks who are going to be kind of the ultra serious ones. Well, I mean, especially when you've got Tolan voicing things like oh, God. a traveler. And yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, like I'm just sitting here going, uh, "Okay, when did this become the Shining?" and Toland All work and no play make Jack a dull boy. <laughs> is the D2 version. Here's of Johnny. Thank he's, you. He's the new Varix. Yes. Yes. 
granted we've we heard Toland in D one, and I, I am kind of glad that they brought him back for D two just to mm-hmm. to keep that that together. But it's just like I, I'm going to go along with Ghost on this one. Toland wasn't very fun at parties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much creepy, creepy man. Oh, I love what Tamira says. When I heard Toland speaking, I imagined him wearing a spooky Halloween costume. <laughs> 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 and he's just dressed as a hive wizard. That's his that's his costume. Oh. There it is. Oh. <laughs> and he's confused why everyone thinks it's a Halloween costume. Yeah, exactly. He's it's... like, what are you talking about? If this you is brought your Sunday laws best. into this area, you wouldn't be able to understand. Oh, gosh. I feel like I do that a little too well. I'm going to stop that now. <laughs> and then, well, um, was that, was that, yeah, Black Flag, the Osiris comment in chat. They they, cha- they changed the voice actors. Osiris yeah, too. they yeah. did. Let's yep. do the thing that Beard is prob- probably going to get most salty about tonight. Oh boy, here it comes! Yes, it is. You ready, Blue? Yeah, this is where this is where I put it. This is I did put it in here. I, you did. So, so I, I put aside oh. a little bit of a, a thoughts for the host section. Um, you know, new subclasses <laughs> that that pesky Saladin's memory. Um, <sighs> You know, what What are, I'm going to just give the floor to Beard, because actually, speaking of the Exodus, <laughs> the, speaking of the Exodus down uh, strike, Cade actually calls out that Saladin talks about us a lot, young Wolfie. Yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, he calls us young young Wolfie or young, yeah, it's something like that, like uh-huh. in the very beginning uh-huh. of the uh, the strike. So, yeah. so go. Okay. Let's do it. We're, we're bracing ourselves. Setting, setting, setting a time limit and go. <laughs> All Are right. we gonna do debate rules? <laughs> I was just Never gonna mind. let him so, talk. Okay. <laughs> Fifteen right. minutes added to the clock. Wait now. There, there you go. Exactly. So. It it all starts from the very moment that you freaking walk up to Saladin and he doesn't even greet you. We have five other places within the game that they understand and can go ahead and start talking about the simple factor that, yes, you did have Rise of Iron happen. And now all of a sudden it starts this. The, the thing that frustrates me the most about it is effectively it calls up this question within the community, within certain sects or members of it, as if Rise of Iron didn't happen. All because of that one mention. And that is where consistency starts to be that important. And where not having Saladin mention that, that is what falls flat. So long story short, and I'll keep this as brief as I can because I've already like explained myself that uh, at length at, uh, what was that video, 17 minutes of how mm-hmm. much they screwed things up with that one. Uh, it, it just comes down to being consistent. We have so many different ways that they could have just had like one or two nods to allow things to be done. And the the effort eat thing I can look away from. Even not putting Shiro 4 in or mentioning him, I can look away from. We have Tyra Karn, even though that was one of the biggest cop-outs in the world. <laughs> just these different ideas that they could have easily done to make it work. And they decided not to. 
Or is there something else that is going on and he clearly is having a problem with his memory? And what really frustrates me further, because this is actually a point that I didn't bring up in my video, the voice lines that you actually hear within Iron Banner are complete and utter trite. They are garbage. And the fact that they have something with we ran out of the ran out of metals thing with him doing his Reaper voice line goes with two possibilities. Either he is losing his frickin' mind, or they just put it in as a bit of fun. I'm going to go with the latter one, obviously, but it still doesn't add anything to basing the character, and it still doesn't help the position of he's probably not in a very good mental state. <laughs> but now the question needs to come back to, is he? Was he broken up the same way that Tyra Karn was mm -hmm. with the way that the light was? How is it that nobody else was necessarily affected by this? And you could paste, you could paste the theory that because Tyra and Saladin are two of the oldest members we know of, they were affected in some different way. And that's the only thing that could even possibly cast that off. But Tyra still remembers things. She Still she... remembers quite a bit of the cryptarchy. She still remembers quite a bit of what she needs to do. She understands her lessons and reasonings. She understands what the Traveler is, this, that, the other thing. But Saladin, on the other hand, still understands his base principles as well. And that's about as far as he ends up going. Go ahead, as, Green. As far as Tyra, so if we're going to get into this debate on whether or not Tyra and Saladin are similar, as far yeah. as Tyra goes, Tyra has some mentions that I think are some of the most worrisome in the game too. Mm -hmm. the, especially at the very, very beginning of the game, the mention about the corruption of the traveler and everything like that in that area. But if Tyra and Saladin are considered the two, some of the oldest ones with when it comes to risen and they're kind of a different, not necessarily breed of guardian, but different type of guardian. That can lead to some interesting developments when it comes to Ephrodite or some right. of these other ones that are older like those two, which who else do we know that are from that age that are still around? Anyone? Osiris. Osiris. Okay. Os well, okay. Technically, we don't know when Osiris was reborn, though. We know that he theoretically was a golden age experiment that was reborn incorrectly in a human form blah 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 propaganda that that trash. whole line propaganda we trash. don't we don't know but if it's true Ly or not Ly lysander was actually the experiment and i could point that out to you in one of the new uh, glass house things moving on That's oh god it. yes thank you yep yep hey. i i loved that line anyway but the fact that we don't have anybody else necessarily that we know of besides Ephrodite, Saladin, and Tyra that are some of the earliest risen, it begs the question as to, it, are they different? If so, how are they different? Mm -hmm. And why are they affected differently than we were? Because we didn't yeah. lose our mind. We didn't forget everything that happened in D1. Well, neither did the other Vanguard either. Like, that's right. the other clear-cut case in that respect as well. Like, it doesn't seem like any other Guardian was necessarily affected by this. 
but they ended up doing it in the case of here's Tyra Karn. You may have known uh, her from Rise of Iron, but you may not have. Right. Uh, and I and I feel like it was meant as just an easy way to like lead it in as part of the story. But it does still open up that that other question again. Did Rise of Iron happen? And it's that consistency in terms of the story that they absolutely dropped the ball on. And I think that carried over pretty well into Iron Banner, especially with some of the the lack of voice lines that we have. And I could even take it as far as the faction rallies, too. They don't have enough in there to end up like saying much of anything in that respect. Right. Uh, I I would think that, especially with myself being a ranked 150 FWC member, that Lakshmi would know me at one point or another. And to me, that is something that was also a missed possibility, where the faction leaders should have at least understood your presence. Even if they didn't necessarily care for you, which they should have because we freaking saved the city countless times, even if they didn't know you, they probably would have known about your exploits and been like, ah, there's the one that, you know, ended up getting us all this information about uh, Gull from the Dreadnought and this, that, and the other thing from how long ago for, for Dead Orbit and whatnot. Right. And there there's these little tie-ups that they could have done as like this this whole vet story as these these twin stories going on. But I don't know. I could I could rant about that forever. But yes, I, I like what Blue said here. This is the conspiracy known as Rise of Iron Retcon, and <laughs> I I legitimately think that that is like a a huge. It, it is a conspiracy theory because it's mentioned enough within Destiny Two that we know that Rise of Iron happened. It's the consistency, and I and I think that's where I'll change it. It's the consistency theory known as Rise of Iron Retcon, that is the, the problem at the moment. Uh, it, it's that that key word that Bungie needs to figure out real fast, and I'm hopeful because the live team's involved now. And right. they're generally pretty darn good about it. Like, I, I like the live team. I have, I've liked the live team for basically the last two, two years, two and a half years, and they've always been solid. So, that's... My rant and spiel, I think, all done. Yay! <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't too much salt. I, no, I gave you no. like a... No. Nope. Uh, real quick, I'm going to run through uh, a dispatch that we got, if you guys are okay with that. Sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Here we go. Dispatches from the Wilds. Alrighty, so we got a another update. I'm just going to start calling these the Millie updates because these are just amazing. <laughs> um, this is this is a, a long conversation that we've been having with uh, Millie over his his girlfriend's introduction to Titans, and uh, so he sent in this email that says she's now level twenty, power level 20, 272. We ran her first nightfall the other day, and she just got the Mita multi tool last night. Congratulations! I love that thing. Um, mm-hmm. She wanted to pledge Dead Orbit, which is a very valid choice for her first faction rally, 
but went with new monarchies as I yeah. as did I for the sword. I was like, I'm done, yes. Millie. I liked you. I trusted you, Millie. I trusted you. Millie, I never did. Friends, we can be friends. So surprisingly, she's not all purple or shiny or purple and shiny. She is holding off until she's 280 and has most of the gear she likes. We are having a blast in D2 together. The lack of in-game has me a little bored with it, but now all the fun has been restored as I experience the game through a new player's eyes. Um, so, Millie, you know, I, I, we were friends, dude. We, we were friends, and then you had to go and join. Oh, hush you. He's <laughs> fine. Um, but speaking, speaking of the, uh, the in-game comment that he made, uh, Millie also sent us a really, what looks like a really good one. I haven't had a chance to read it just yet. It's a very, very long, it's a much longer email about possible, like his thoughts on the in-game content and what could probably be done. Um, so I'm going to read that and I will, Millie, I'll get back to you on that. I'll probably have Beard and Green also. I'll share it with them to get their input on that as well. But those are, those were our dispatches for today. Um, I'm going to... Also give a shout to Maury for her her very very strong and very well thought out dispatch over on Twitter of asking why Titans are the best. <laughs> Maury is awesome. Gotta, <laughs> I like I was it. like I just was like I don't I I'm gonna try to politely ignore your your tweet, Maury. <laughs> I think the one you had of uh, of Simba and Nala looking at each other was kind of on the point. Oh my god! That conversation. But... That conversation was uh, like like what is happening at this point? I I got into yeah, a Twitter really... conversation where I I don't even know. We were talking about the coverage ratio of bath towels and robes. Yes. It, it, look, that's what happens when Tim and I start screaming at each other. Okay, it's just that's that's what happens. This is what it devolves into. This is what happens when we've lost our minds playing a game together for the last three years. This is what happens. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I guess that kind of leads right into it. Uh, do you guys have any shout outs, Beard? Have it? Do you have a shout out for us this week or shout outs? <laughs> um well I'll I'll get the the typical one out of the way. Guardian Con is coming up July 13th and 14th. Do not forget to pick up stuff. Uh St. Jude's uh donation is going on right now. I will always and probably forever and you guys are going to get sick of hearing me uh say it only because St. Jude has done so much for my family. So anybody that does do anything for them and can donate, I thank you very much. However, yes, I am going to go ahead and give a shout out to my good buddy Grindhead Jim. He has been streaming hardcore pretty much a lot longer than I've been doing the YouTube thing. Uh, he was actually the one that kind of kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me to do YouTube. Uh, I had started early on with like a history of video games thing, and then I ended up kind of stopping it. Uh, and then I was doing some movie reviews. Stop that. And then I started doing some Let's Plays, which quickly evolved into me doing Destiny videos. And I don't know how that actually happened. But I started having a lot of fun. So he was the one. Uh, if you guys can go support him, Grindhead Jim over on um, on Twitch. You can find him on Twitter as well. But he has done a number of things for me in my life. And I owe him a lot. Cool. I'll be sure to get his links in the show notes. Thank you. Uh, Green, what about you? 
my first one is a shout out to anybody who has ever or will possibly ever serve in the armed forces because we're recording this via Veterans Day. So, or like the day before, technically, is it? Yeah, day before. But mm-hmm. happy Veterans Day for anybody out there. Thank you for your service. You guys are awesome. I know I couldn't do it. Moving on from beyond that. Um, my shout out definitely goes to Maury. We mentioned her a little bit ago. Awesome Miss Maury. Dames. Uh, just ex- extraordinaire organizer beyond belief. Like she's way more organized than I am. And that's saying something because I do the mind maps and spreadsheets and my job is organization. But she will be possibly joining us in the next couple of weeks for the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see her. So I'm going to give her an early shout out. Kind of like I'm excited because she's an awesome person and I want to talk with her. So. <laughs> um. All right. And then for myself, we have uh, the episode next week is going to be a introductory look at exotic weapons um, in Destiny 2. And if you guys are in the chat, we're... It's rolling pretty quickly. I know Rhino's Rhino's keeping everyone on task on that one because, and I appreciate that because it's it's there's 19 weapons. Um, there's only seven days in the week, so <laughs> it's it's a pretty tall order to get through even an introductory look at them. Um, but we'll definitely, if you guys have thoughts, questions on that one, uh, definitely send in emails or at Twitter uh, or even on Discord, whatever, however is easiest for you. We, we love getting those dispatches. Um, and then I, I'm just going to echo Green uh, as a big thank you for anyone who has served. Uh, we appreciate that. And we just, I don't think I can put into words the level of appreciation uh, that I have for that. Um, so just know that we appreciate it beyond whatever, whatever paltry words can be said. Um, and then I think... That is all I got. I wanted to say... Oh, yes. Uh, you'll notice there is no poll this weekend. That is because we are going to... Not next... or Well, starting next Tuesday, we're going to be taking the week off for the Thanksgiving break since I will be out of town. Um, and so we're probably going to continue the conversation of the exotic weapons into the week. But then also we are going to be starting to see some of those game stream reveals from Bungie. Uh, so we'll have those to probably probably chat about a little bit on the, on that topic as well. Because I think the very first one is on the 15th. And it's going to be talking about what we talk about every week. And that's the stories. But Green, I know, did you have something? Yeah, just one last little thing. And just kind of a general shout out to anybody who listens to the podcast. Um, one of the things that I've noticed lately is that we have had a huge influx of people coming into the discord server, which is awesome. I'm glad you guys are jumping in. If you're one of like the podcast listeners, um, if there are people out there in your fire team who kind of want to know about the story or just like even don't share either beards, videos, vice videos, our podcast shared share the story, share the love, because there is a story out there on Destiny. There is a huge amount of story that is still hidden in there, even though it doesn't feel like it. It's still there. And we're going to get more, which I'm excited for. And I know everybody on the team's excited for 
but continue to show people what we do know by showing them the different content creators that are out there that are still working on creating things for you. Yeah. And on that note, a really good place to do that is actually on the Destiny Lore subreddit. They have a list of basically, I, I can't remember what the, what the name is, but it's something like Lore Masters or sort of, it, but anyways, it's that team has gone through and kind of gone and picked out all the all the content creators. They're they're not really you know selective at all, but they just make sure that the individual at least has a or team has a a history and is somewhat you know not just yelling at people. Uh, it's actually mm-hmm. a serious creator. Um, but Destiny, the Destiny Lore subreddit is an amazing place. That place has been really picking up lately. Um, and so if you guys have any interest in that, definitely check that out. And Beard, I know you, you probably have a bit of a something to say on this one. Uh, well, I'm going to say I don't, I don't know how verified it is because they put me there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the... <laughs> well, we're there, too. So, I, I mean, double down on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I was actually notified about that uh, a, a couple months back. And I was I was as, as much as I go ahead and like self-deprecate myself because I, I know I'm terrible with it. Uh, I I am flattered beyond belief to be put onto that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me personally, uh, what I wanted to kind of touch base on with the story more than anything, because that that subreddit is huge to showcase that there are so many other people that are interested in the story. There's so many other people that are trying to build it, look into it, so on. A lot of people probably noticed that I haven't been as consistent with my content recently. If you guys do follow me as like my channel side thing, but it's more a matter that I don't have time. It is not a matter that I am running into things that I don't want to talk about or things that I can't talk about, so on and so forth. I don't have time to cover everything that I want to right now. There is that much involved in it. There is that much that we need to all keep kind of looking into. And over on my Discord right now, too, the lore is just constantly, constantly pouring in. People are finding different Mm -hmm. connections and ideas all the time. I'm I'm actually adding on to my old journals more than I am to my newest ones. And it's a good I think thing that, that it's a good is thing that the most exciting. It's a good thing that ThinkGeek gave you a couple new versions, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and actually exactly. that that reminds me of one of the comments that uh Jason Jason Harris and Matthew Ward had made way back when about how they wanted to see complaints about there being too much to to cover in the in Destiny 2. Like, right and it's one it's of just very well like, hidden it's just very well hidden it's it's, it's, it's the game's not, best kept secret it's not necessarily hidden like you can get to it there are things like the scannables that are a little bit more like search heavy but everything's accessible it's just going out there and doing the work to gather the information because it's not given to us this time Yep. But that's me. Yeah. Um, if speaking of the, the subreddit, I had been tweeting out a lot of the subreddits from uh, the lot of the hot topics from the Destiny lore subreddit. I'm going to start that back up again because I thought that was a really good way to kind of get those guys a little bit more exposure. So mm-hmm. if you are not a fan of Reddit or not on there and just because you don't want to see a lot of the extra stuff, follow me on Twitter. 
and I will be posting the hot button topics that get posted in that subreddit so you don't have to go through all the muck. All right. Well, um, I think that's everything. Are you guys mm-hmm. good to good to take off? Good here. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.